Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi and welcome to the Crime Pods. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. So this week I'm going to be telling you guys about a case that has became familiar all over again because it has gone into the news this week all over Scotland. So I thought it'd be a good time to kind of talk you guys through this as it is really relevant. So this week I'm going to be telling you the story of Colin Norris. Samantha, Colin Norris, I take it that's a name you're familiar with, especially right now when it's in the news. Yes, yep. Um, I think it was he's like Angel of Death or something like that. Yes, Scotland. Yes, that was the nickname he was given, yeah. So I'll just talk you through it. There's quite a lot of like information and dates, so I'll try and keep it as clear as possible. But as always, if you've got any queries or anything, just give us a message on our Instagram, which is crimepod underscore, and I can clear some things up if I get a bit confused. So, Colin Norris was born in February 1976, the 12th to be specific, and he was born in Glasgow, and he had two very normal parents. His dad, Norris, was a painter and decorator, and his mum, June, was a typist. Now, Colin was an only child, and he was particularly close to an elderly neighbour, Elizabeth was her name, who was in her late 70s, and she kind of became like his gran, almost, um, as he was an only child, so he never had any other siblings, and eventually his parents divorced when he was nine years old. Now, he grew up in the Particaria of Glasgow. Hey! Right. And he saw very little of his dad. I know, I know. He saw very little of his dad after the split, but it was quite a, I think it was quite a matrimonial split. Um, And then his mum actually remarried four years later. Now, the mum and son went to live with Raymond Morrison, who was the new husband, who was also a painter and decorator, and his young son next to her mum, who lived in Glasgow. So they went to live near his actual gran. And this was in Milton in Glasgow. Um, and he, he saying it, he had a very normal childhood and a very good childhood. He was in the Boy Scouts. He helped look after people with learning disabilities. And he was also involved in the local amateur dramatics club as well. So it does sound like a very kind of normal childhood. Um, in, P, like in secondary school, he was pretty clever he passed six exams which are the equivalent of GCSEs and went on to college and he studied travel and tourism Um, he left this course after a year to actually go and just work in a travel agency before deciding to train as a nurse when he was 22 years old this kind of links back to you know him helping people with disabilities when he was younger and he said that he made this career choice because you get to deal with people and get to make a difference in their lives which I'm sure we can agree a lot of nurses would say that's why they do their job so in September 1998, Norris begins studying for his higher nursing diploma at Dundee University in the School of Nursing and Midwifery. So he obviously moves from Glasgow to Dundee. In the January to September of 1999, he attends lectures on diabetes and the treatment of diabetic patients with insulin. And he takes quite a 
are kind of liking to that and he, he finds that quite fascinating and in the May he begins training um, sorry while he's training to be a nurse he works on Ward 11 at Nine Wells Hospital in Dundee where he learns more about managing people with diabetes now while he is studying as well he also cares for elderly patients on Ward 7 at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Dundee as part of his training so everyone knows that while nurses train they do a lot of placements which is obviously where you kind of learn on the job. However, he tells his tutor that he hated this placement and he missed part of it due to unauthorised absences. Now, actually, I found out what these kind of unauthorised absences were. So basically, he had complained to a friend that he was unhappy because he didn't like geriatric patients. He preferred the excitements of trauma work. He also went to Riverside View Nursing Home in Dundee, but he basically called in sick with a sore throat after three days and never returned so both of these oh. placements so the four weeks placement at the nursing home and the unauthorized absences is because he didn't like working with the elderly he told a colleague when i was bathing female patients and washing them down below i found it difficult to start with especially because they were the same age as my grandmother so during this like three-year course his tutor Isabel McLafferty which is actually his personal tutor recalls having to warn him about his attitude and put attendance because he just refused to kind of do this line of the work like he'd do all these other placements but it was these ones he really struggled with which doesn't like scream a nurse to you you know no exactly like... like the nurses deal with so many different things so I don't understand how you can just be like oh sorry I don't like caring for this type of people do you know mm-hmm. so in January 2001, Norris's personal tutor gives a specific talk to her students on the subject of abuse of elderly patients, including a particular reference to the Glasgow nurse, Sister McTavish, which I wasn't too sure about, but she was basically a nurse in the 1970s who was convicted, however, later freed on appeal of killing elderly patients by injecting them with an insulin overdose. Now, oh, during another placement in 2001, at the, it's the Brokety Ferry Health Centre it's near Dundee he tells a district nurse sister he didn't like working with geriatric patients again that while repeatedly refusing to change patients or their bedding so well he's, he's just, not nurse material yeah like he's just really not a big fan of this do you know what I mean um so in 2001 however he graduates from Dundee University with a higher nursing diploma and he gets a job in the October as a staff nurse at the Leeds General Infirmary. So he actually moves down to Leeds and he works in Ward 36. So during the next 14 months, he also works on the orthopaedic ward at St. James's Hospital in the city. So he works there as well, but his main base is Leeds General Infirmary. Um, people remember him at this job as a pretty normal guy so Norris was openly gay and he obviously had a very strong Scottish Glaswegian accent and he wore these thick black rimmed glasses um, and he kind of was always known for like nipping through the fire escape to have like a cigarette during the night shifts and seemed like a pretty okay person to work with however while working at Leeds General Infirmary things just start getting a bit weird so there was a patient admitted to the hospital, Vera Wilby, who was 90 years old in May, so specifically the 2nd of May 2002. She's admitted to Ward 36 with a broken left hip as she fell when she was out in Leeds and her condition, de- oh, fucking hell, her condition begins to deteriorate as she recovers from her hip surgery. Um, a couple of weeks later, Norris administers a dose of the powerful painkiller morphine to her to make her a bit drowsier and he then administers more drugs 
and 90 minutes after he finishes the shift, she is found semi-conscious with a sudden hypoglemic attack. But she survives. So she's fine. So obviously at this point, nobody really kind of says anything. And later on that year, the October, she's discharged from hospital and goes to live at a nursing home where she dies the following year with unrelated causes. So this all happens and nobody really says anything, you know, like that on its own is probably very standard. Yeah, exactly. While Vera's in hospital on the 12th of June 2002, Doris Ludlam is eight years old and she's from Pudsey, West Yorkshire. And she is actually transferred Leeds General Infirmary from Chapel Allerton Hospital in Leeds as she's receiving treatment for a heart complaint and actually falls and breaks her hip in that hospital so she's transferred towards 36 in another hospital for surgery so two weeks later Norris gives Miss Ludsum an unnecessary dose of the powerful painkiller diamorphine which is double the recommended level this renders her drowsy and then he gives her drugs which reduce her blood sugar level before he goes off shift in the morning she is then discovered in a coma 40 minutes later. Two days after this happens, Doris actually passes away in hospital and this is her cause of death. So as you can imagine, patients kind of die all the time. So yet again, it isn't a kind of like major thing, but it raises kind of some eyebrows. While Doris was admitted to hospital on the 12th of June, on the 16th of June, Bridget Bourke, an 88-year-old woman from Leeds, is admitted towards 36 with a broken right hip as well. So this... All these hips are broken. I know, I know. These elderly women of Leeds at this time. Um, So they, on the 17th of June, they operate and repair her hip and she's a bit frail, confused, and she has bleeding in her head and complications from a stroke. And she then also um, develops a serious bacterial infection. So she's really not doing good. And on the 20th of July, after being in hospital for a month, she actually falls out of her bed. And the next day, Norris, who's working the night shift, claims to have discovered her slumped um, in bed at 3.10am. Doctors are called and she's found to be deeply unconscious after a hypoglemic attack, despite not being diabetic. So they're obviously a bit like, okay, this kind of raises a few eyebrows. And the following day, she never recovers and dies shortly after midnight. And her death certificate records that her cause of death was a stroke. So all three of these ladies have either passed away or left this hospital by now. And then a fall, another patient, Irene Crooks, who's 79, gets admitted to Leeds General Hospital on October the 10th um, with a fractured hip. She's not broke hers. And is oh, treated on ward well 23 well at St James's Hospital. So Norris treats her for several days, although she remains unwell, breathless and requires oxygen. And she needs a walking frame to get about. And you know, her condition like is nothing for concern. Like She's got a fractured hip. And he actually, mm-hmm. Norris records in her records that she's actually improving, which obviously everyone's really happy about. And on the 19th of October, he reports to finding her totally unresponsive shortly before 6am. And she has also had another hypoglemic attack, but she's not diabetic. And the following mm. day, she passes away again. Now, this is when, it, like, obviously, this is all looking a bit suspicious. But as you can imagine, the hospital full of hundreds of people these probably aren't getting fully noticed however this is when it starts to get kind of like okay this is beyond weird so in the november this year ethel hall an 86 year old woman from leeds again is admitted toward 36 with a fracture to her hip and undergoes surgery to repair it all goes well and she's absolutely fine she's able to walk with assistance she's doing really really good but on the 19th of november she has a fainting spell which is 
not unknown for her. Like she's been known to do that before. But the following day, she takes a very serious turn for the worse in the early hours in the morning and staff find her choking. Now, her blood sugar levels are found to be very low and blood tests show abnormally high levels of insulin. Now, earlier on in this evening on the shift, Norris predicts this change in condition without any medical indications and a conversation with a colleague. He turns around to his colleague and says, whenever I do nights, someone always dies. He then says, it was always in the morning when things go wrong, about 5.15am. He actually then predicted the death of Ethel to within 15 minutes. No way. And when she was found collapsed in a coma, Norris pointed to his watch and turned to his colleague and went, I told you so. Oh my god. Um, so basically, after this had happened, a specialist, Dr. Emma Ward, grew suspicious and ordered blood tests on Miss Hall, who was 86. Um, she was admitted, so obviously she was admitted to her hip, but she was discovered to have been given 1,000 unnecessary units of insulin compared to the 50 a day given to someone with diabetes, a condition she did not even have. Holy crap. A thousand? So he, a thousand unnecessary wow. units compared to the 50 a day and she didn't even mm-hmm. have diabetes so on the 6th of December 2002 the West Yorkshire police are called to investigate um, so on the 11th of December 2002 Ethel Hall dies of irreversible brain damage without ever regaining consciousness so this was due to this so on the 11th of December he is arrested and brought in for questioning so he was obviously suspended by the Royal College of Nursing the day after his arrest and while on bail, he moved back to Glasgow and worked for an events company and travelled abroad eight times while under investigation. Travelled so, abroad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is why well. like, he was on bail, so he just did whatever he wanted, basically, because this is the annoying part. The investigation takes quite a lengthy time. So right. in December 2002, during questioning by the police, Norris tells officers that he seemed to have been unlucky over the last 12 months, but denies murdering his patients. He seems to have been unlucky. Because yes. everyone seems to die around him. With a broken And in the September the following year, 14 months after her death, um, Miss um, Brooke's body, so I don't know if you guys are good at remembering second names, but that's Bridget, who was, um, it was, she also had a broken hip, but she's the one that had a stroke and the bacterial infection. She died in July. Um, but her <laughs> body's exhumed. And um, a pathologist finds that she died from an insulin-induced coma. So obviously that's not what they'd thought at the time. Her cause of death was a stroke. <laughs> so after her body's exhumed, they actually find out that's not her cause of death. Now, a total of 72 deaths were investigated by police as part of this investigation, and 18 were classified as high priority before they decided to charge him with four murders and attempted murder. Detective believes he used the opiates to make his victims drowsy before injecting them with a lethal dose of insulin. And police recovered documents detailing a less painful way of injecting morphine and dio- diamorphine when they searched like his house and stuff. So they found like really easy, I don't know the word easy sounds awful, but he found like really easy ways to kill them almost. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like and he managed... Because they're old as well. Like, yeah. It's not like he needs to do much. Oh, of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so they've done this investigating and then eventually on the 12th of October 2005, he is charged with the four counts of murder and one of attempted murder so he was like they were looking into him for like almost three years um and obviously on his bail he had a he had a great time he was on his holidays and everything but yeah it is a long time but even then this goes to trial in newcastle crown court on the 16th of october 2007 so even then he's charged but it takes two years 
to eventually have the court because he obviously he pleads not guilty. Mm-hmm. And the trial takes 19 weeks and the jury deliberate for four days. So, wow, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's a long, long time. The prosecution say it's an impossible to say what the motive was, but all the patients had been difficult and were capable of being a burden to medical staff. So I think they looked into these women and obviously... I'm not, do you know what I mean? They've got broken hips or fractured hips, so they can't do a lot themselves. But I think it was described that they were capable, as I said, capable of being a burden. So I think they required quite a lot of help and assistance, which if you go back to when he worked in the care homes, he wasn't a fan of that. As we said, he didn't like changing people's beds. He didn't like doing stuff like that. So I can imagine this job would not be for him. So I don't really get why he was still doing it. Yeah, or even done it in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. So he was convicted of the murder on 3rd of March 2008 and was found guilty of the murder of four women and the attempted murder of a fifth age 90. He's given four life sentences with a minimum term of 30 years for each of the murders and a 20-year sentence to run concurrently for attempted murder. So the judge was Justice Griffith and he rejected any possibility that Norris was practising euthanasia because none of the victims were terminally ill. So that was a case that they'd brought up, basically saying, like, oh, he was helping them out of pain. But, like, they weren't dying. They had a broken bone. Yeah, so, like, they didn't go I would to totally die. understand, like, if he was working in, like, a care home or if he was working in palliative care. Like, I would be like, oh, right, okay, like, maybe wasn't the sadistic killer. Maybe he was actually trying to help these women. But, like, if I went to a hospital with a broken hip and someone killed me... I'd be dangerous. Furious. Yeah, I'd be mm. absolutely furious. But I thought I'd put in a judge quote for you, Samantha, because I know how much you love it. So the judge said, you are, and I have absolutely no doubt, a thoroughly evil and dangerous man. You're an arrogant and manipulative man with a real dislike of elderly patients. The most telling evidence was that observation of one of your patients, Bridget Tarpevy, who said he did not like us old women. Referred to in the British press as the angel of death, like he killed his victims by injecting them with high levels of insulin. Um, And another thing that was looked into... Which is really funny, like, because these women, because these victims were all women, he is known for being gay, so people didn't know if it was because he just generally hated women, or if he had issues regarding elderly women. Um, they spoke to the woman who was, like, his grandmother. Remember I mentioned that at the start? And mm-hmm. she was in complete denial, like, of him doing this, and was like, nah, he could never do this. Stuff like this. So, it's always really difficult, do you know what I mean? But he, he was found guilty. However, as I said at the beginning, the reason I picked this case this week is because this is back up in the news. Um, because last week, Colin Norris's conviction was sent to the Court of Appeal after him serving 13 years of his trial. So it's all over the papers recently. I don't know if people have seen it, but I just kind of wanted to talk about that a wee bit um, as it's looking quite good for him, which is... I don't know, after kind of doing this podcast, it's quite concerning. So Colin's 44 now, and he, the Criminal Cases Review Commission, so known as the CCRC, have decided to refer all five convictions to the Court of Appeal. And it was said that the CCRC considered this new expert evidence presented by Mr Norris's representatives and instructed its expert to provide reports. As a result, the CCRC has concluded there's real possibility the Court of Appeal will decide Mr Norris's convictions for the murder, attempted murder, of one or more of the four patients is unsafe. Now, I was really not sure, 
like how something like this could even go to court like it's very obvious he was a nurse that was working with them he was found guilty so I have done quite a lot of reading into it and some of the reasons why they're taking it to court is I mean like I get it like I I don't get it but I, I get how it's maybe managed to get to court so there is no direct evidence against Norris it's all circumstantial Oh, see, so that's the prosecution said hypo, yeah, see, hypoglycemia was vanishingly rare and it's produced experts to testify to that ex- effect. But, you know, this conclusion has apparently been undermined by new evidence. He oh. was also found guilty by a majority verdict. And that means at least one juror was not convinced. So that means it wasn't like an anonymous verdict, like somebody, at least one of them, believed he was innocent. So that there's always one. Means, yeah, there's always one that means. Um, so another thing as well is like the, the experts agree like that basically the only kind of factor, the common factor in all five of these cases is was his presence. So there wasn't anything else. It's not like he left a mark. It's not like he'd done anything specifically. Like these women died, like do you know what I mean, horrible deaths, and it it shouldn't have been called for but that's the only thing they had in common the, the rest of it was circumstantial like for example um the nurse Jessie McTavish who I mentioned earlier um she was done for doing the exact same thing um but she was cleared in 1974 um and he attended lectures on her and stuff like that but like if he went to a lecture about her like anyone could have gone to a lecture about her do you know and it's that thing um also just a side note um Jesse McTavish that case is also that I'd mentioned the Glaswegian nurse if anyone wants to know more about that I think we would be up for doing a kind of smaller podcast on that I don't think it's a huge story but if you do want to hear about that just let me know but yeah like the it was a lot of like the evidence was kind of like look at lectures attended like he went to a diabetic one blah 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 so I think it's a really interesting one and I kind of want to hear your opinion Sam and maybe our listeners on because I really don't know how I feel about it like um in very mixed minds do you know yeah no I'm with you there because like like you say it's circumstantial and it's just his presence and I guess anybody else could have been there each Mm -hmm. night those women died um Mm -hmm. and then I guess with you saying that he said to his colleague oh everyone dies by the way look she'll die in about 45 minutes you know what I mean roughly mm-hmm. whatever you said and you're like mm, well did you do it mm-hmm. <laughs> like, did you know she was gonna die because you gave her something that was mm-hmm. gonna make her die and the whole insulin thing like there's no proof he did it um I, mm-hmm. I guess I don't know I'm guessing it's because back in the day maybe they didn't sign drugs out I don't know if they do that anyway I'm not a nurse but it's just mm-hmm. it's weird and I I don't I don't know I honestly yeah don't know. yeah yeah so like so basically in 2014 two documentaries so a BBC panorama program as well were produced about him raising fresh concerns about the conviction and like some of the things they've said is like there was never fingerprints there was never DNA and um, in the panorama investigation they were told by two experts that there could actually be like a natural explanation for the blood test result. And it's like a rare condition called insulin autoimmune syndrome, which happens 
in elderly patients who aren't diabetic. Oh. But obviously science is changing all the time. And, yeah. do you know, like, it, like, we wouldn't have known that in 2002. No. But, do you know, to serve nearly, what? So Thir- this... 13 years? Yeah, it? yeah, that's a long time. He'll turn into that guy, I don't know if you've all seen it, maybe you've seen it too, World's Toughest Prisons on Netflix. Yeah, At yeah. the start of every episode, I was wrongly convicted for a crime I did not commit. But like He'll be that, the new guy. Yeah, but that's the thing, like, I like, I don't know, that's why I'm kind of excited to hear everyone's opinions, because even people I spoke to saying I was going to do this case have been so mixed, because some people are like, oh yeah, he did this, or they're like, oh, is that the guy that's been accused of that? So that's the thing like right now he's convicted and he is a murderer but it could be a complete miscarriage of justice which would be even worse do you know oh yeah because that's gonna cost them a lot of money oh if he's been wrong yeah 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 but he's never like he still has a team of representatives working for him he's never changed his story since he's went in and as we said like two programs created about him it does sound like and I know we've we've done a lot of episodes now you know like we've seen so many where you're like oh circumstantial evidence but that's the thing as he said there is no solid evidence that it was him yeah the only thing you can say is he hated old people Mm -hmm. and that was it Mm -hmm. like but come on not everybody likes to shower and wash old people no, exactly. But then at the same time, it's like, why did he go into nursing? Or I, ju- I well, just don't know. Well, as he said, though, he enjoyed the trauma nursing. But yeah, then but I don't know do if he speciality. maybe just took that job to get a job, do you know? Yeah. Like, it could have been the only job available at the time, and he's been like, oh, a job's a job, do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he could get released. I think so. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I'm not saying I think he's innocent, but when you look at it nowadays, that's not enough to keep someone in prison. No, not for like, not a 30 year sentence and then plus some. Yeah, but no, so if you have any opinions on it, please get in touch with us. Um, It'd be really, really good to hear about it and keep your eyes peeled on news, guys, and see what happens. It'll be, sorry, I was just going to say, it'll be in between all the coronavirus information. Yeah. That slither of this, something different. (laughs) Something different. Yeah, no, definitely. It'll be good to see if actually... He got what he deserved or if this has been like a terrible miscarriage of justice.